What's up, you guys? Welcome to the September 6th edition of the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher. Getting ready to start a new series. We're going to be doing some position battles for every team. Go over some high-key and, in most cases, low-key position battles for that 6th, 7th, 8th position in the rotation and so on. Should be fun. Should be really helpful for you deep leaguers out there. Looking how to end uh, your last couple rounds. Should be fun. With me to do so is Ryan Kanas. What's up, man? Uh, setting the stage for training camps here. So I, I love the position battle watch as we head towards opening night. So this is a, this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, we're going to go by division. It should be uh, a great way for the next three weeks, pretty much. Then we got training camp, and we'll be able to cover that. So it's a nice little series to mix in. Obviously, if there's news, we will tie that in, too. We have a bit of news I want to tie into to kick this thing off. Before we do, uh, one question for you, Brian. Are you ready for some football? I'm more than ready for some football at Ebet. Yeah, it's uh, Eagles Falcons. I have some Julio shares, a lot of Corey Clement. Uh, And then also our sponsor, Draft. They are ready to go with their one week leagues. Draft it like a snake. They added auction leagues this year, which is really fun. Uh, I'm a big proponent of auctions, but get the guys you want. Don't got to worry about picking first or second. Um, Just bid up, um, especially with the weak fantasy. We talked about this for basketball. Like, oh, you pick first, you get Westbrook. So it's kind of the same thing. Like, if you like Julio a lot, uh, it's really cool. So you just go to Draft uh, on the App Store or Google and or Draft.com, download it. You can play for free with our promo code RW, and you can draft. It takes a couple, you know, it doesn't take long. Uh, they draft every couple minutes. So, yeah, you can do a draft right now. Uh, get in on this Eagles-Falcons game. It should be pretty high scoring. Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited for football. So uh, I've got my five fantasy football teams. Dra- I'm co-owning three other teams, too. So I'm uh, hi- highly into this, but even draft too. Like I'm going to be going away, and I'm probably get a couple drafts in there to make week one a little bit more fun. Nice. While, while, it's, yeah, while it's interesting, you know, week sixteen, week seventeen. Like, all right, I'm ready for to just go <laughs> full NBA right now. It's true. I'm I'm excited for that. I didn't realize they had added auctions, and uh, I love auctions. So much, so many different strategies you can implement. So uh, hopefully they do that for hoops too. For sure. I'll be all in. Oh, they need to do that. So we have to persuade them to do that, now that they have the formatting. All right. <laughs> so, again, the only real news that happened, we talked about this on Tuesday. We thought that it felt like Tyrone wasn't going to get matched, Tyrone Wallace, but a uh, very friendly contract. But it was more about adding that 17th guaranteed deal. So um, there's a couple of things on this front. Obviously, one, the Clippers are loaded with guards, Pat Bev. Milos, obviously SGA, now they got Tyrone, Avery Bradley, Lou Williams, drafted Jerome Robinson. So they have committed a lot of their roster space to two positions. Um, and again, you know, high-level guys. Lou Williams was their best player last year. Pat Bev was hurt. Um, Pat Bev, expiring deal, which I think makes the most sense. Is Clippers and Suns should be talking, uh, whether it be for Milos or Pat Bev, one or the other. Uh, I feel like that's they're both yeah. good trading partners. Um, but yeah, I think Tyrone's a guy to watch. Um, we'll talk about them specifically, but just for, as far as the trade value goes, this, this team's going to have to make a deal. Uh, anything you want to add to that? No, they definitely have to. I saw you on, on Twitter mention Beverly as a potential candidate to go to Phoenix. That That's kind of a fun possibility, and I would be surprised if he finishes the year in L.A. Because you mentioned all those guards they have. It's it's ludicrous. Uh, another thing to mention is Pat Bev, he's only owned, owed $5 million, expiring, as you said, but it's also non-guaranteed until January 10th. So Clippers have a ton of flexibility there if he proves to be healthy in training camp. You know, it could build up his trade value if he looks like a shell of his former, you know, defensive pit bull self. They could, you know, 
uh, package him as a, as a guy another team could waive. Uh, so lots of ways to go there. I'd be surprised if he if he hits the all-star break, really, as a member of the Clippers. Yeah, he's age 30. Obviously, he's, he's been pretty injury-prone with a lot of leg injuries. Obviously, last year was pretty much a lost cause. Okay, so our new series. Again, we're doing position battles, and we're going to do try to do two divisions per episode. And we're starting with the Atlantic and the Northwest divisions. We kind of did this on purpose. One has a lot going on division-wise, and the other one not so much. So we thought that was a good pairing. So we'll start with the winners of the Atlantic Division. Uh, one of the teams, for as good as they are, obviously with a lot of roster changes, with Pirtle gone, DeBrosen gone, and Kawhi in, uh, they've got some a little bit. They're a little shorthanded, and there's been some discussion about possibly starting Pascal Siakam at the four, possibly bringing Valachunas off the bench as well as Serge off the bench. They want to play Serge at the at the five more often. That's obvious. They're considering playing OG Ananobi at the four. So a lot in flux, new coaching system, much new, a lot of new personnel. So there could be some potential here. I talked a lot about Siakam as a potential sleeper. Uh, I'll hand it to you first. Anything you want to add as far as how the back end of this rotation fills out? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a whole lot going on here. One thing we're going to have to watch for is, is what Coach Nick Nurse does with those rotations. Last year we saw Dwayne Casey go, you know, 10 men, 10 men deep consistently. Um Tons. I mean, minutes just spread up and down the lineup. You had eight different guys play at least 20 minutes a game. Uh, Twelve guys averaged at least 12 minutes a game. It was just a very, very deep rotation. Um, only two players, DeRozan and Lowry, were above 32 per game. No one above 34. So just a lot of minutes spread across a lot of guys. I'm personally, as a fantasy owner, hoping that Nurse tightens that up, kind of picks his guys and stays with them. Um, makes it a lot easier to, to target those back-end guys. Uh, I'm not super into OG Ananobi. I know he's been kind of a sleeper pick in a bunch of drafts. I don't see it per minute for him, really, especially um, um, you know unless injuries thin out the, the forward positions. Um, Siakam I like enough to take as a flyer. Uh, Fred Van Vliet I'd take over DeLon, right? That sort of thing. But, yeah, other than the, the top of the lineup, I'm not a big Ibaka guy. I think Jonas has taken him in a couple drafts. No, Jonas uh, hates Ibaka. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of Jared. I think Jared yeah. sort of roughly. And I, I get it. I mean, if he can get 28, 30 minutes a game, which he should, um, you know, he, he could, he's a solid roto value. Even at age 29 with his stats, especially blocks on decline for six consecutive years, still one of the more bizarre fantasy stats out there. Um so yeah, there's a lot to talk about and a lot to watch during training camp. Yeah, like you said, they went straight. One of the few teams that went straight bench, um, the bench Broskis. They were phenomenal. One of the best units in the NBA last year, plus 17.1 net rating over 340 minutes. That's a big, big chunk of playing time for one lineup. Um, so that's obviously going to be out the window with Pearl now. So they're going to have to, you would think they may shorten it. Um, and again, we've talked about possibly switching and playing the matchups, kind of like the way Brad Stevens does, right? Where he'll play Bain some days, and he'll yeah. play Marcus Morris other days. So I think it's going to be a little bit like that. But um, just to go to the Siakam thing, um, interesting notes. I uh, have Pascal Siakam and JV played 156 minutes together at a plus 1.2 net rating. Pascal and Serge, uh, you know, a potentially good switchable lineup, 176 minutes plus 12.4 net rating. Uh, and then him and Pirtle was... Plus eighty three in one thousand ninety minutes. Um, so the, the the Siakam search thing kind of makes sense to me in some lineups if they're going against a smaller five or a fast tempo team. Uh, I think it could work. And also Pascal's per thirty six minutes are kind of encouraging. You know, kind of cut this cut this to maybe twenty four. Um, so if you did it by 
let me do it by per 48, and I can just cut it in half. So if you're looking at Pascal and Surge per 24, since this works, you're looking at, yeah, not too great in scoring, um, 11-ish points and six, 5-ish boards. Um, then he had 0.8 steals and 0.4 blocks, and then um, you know almost 0.83s. So he had a little bit going on, uh, efficient, 64% from the field. So, yeah, I'm in. I think that's probably one big takeaway. I'm kind of staying off uh, DeLon and Van Vliet. Uh, I know Steve said he likes Van Vliet a lot. Uh, I li- I'm i probably more in DeLon because I like the defensive stats. But, yeah, either way, um, definitely some. Again, there's going to be upside. This, this, just shortening that rotation so much. Um, and yeah. there's a second unit mostly besides the DeLon injury and Van Vliet as well. Um, there wasn't too much uh, opportunity here with them staying healthy. Again, when your top two lineups are playing over 300 minutes, even, even still a lot, like their top three, um, their number three lineup was 271 minutes. So that's pretty good. Um, like yeah. I don't think the Jazz had any lineup at that playing time. I have to check that when we get there. But, my, last, uh, my last question about the Raptors would be, with Ibaka theoretically going to play at least some center minutes, maybe just 10, 12 minutes, we'll see. Uh, Greg Monroe they brought on uh, on board to sort of fill the, the void with Pertle gone. Uh, two totally different players, one defensive specialist pretty much, um, Monroe offensive specialist. But d- does that make you shy away from Valentunas in any draft? We haven't even mentioned his name during this section. So yeah. is, uh, is, is, he, is he taking a big hit here? I'm in, I, just because of the lack of depth. You know, I mean, if they're gonna if they're gonna cut Pirtle out and they're gonna move, I don't think how do we we haven't really talked about Greg Monroe yet. So I think that's the mystery. I think if Monroe is gonna be a factor in this rotation, then I would start shying away from Valachunas if he's not. And I don't know if he's gonna be, despite his opportunity yeah. to make three pointers now. Uh, there's over twelve in his career. <laughs> um, I'm not again. I'm not aggressively targeting him. And like I've been saying, I feel like I'll I'll have my position under wraps. Uh, if I'm sitting there, I'm obviously gonna take Wendell Carter Jr. first. Um, so I don't I I've done I don't know forty mocks and I've yet to land JV. Uh, hmm. I'm interested though for sure. Yeah, I I probably take him top seventy five. I mean he was a top eighty guy last year in twenty two minutes a game. Um, Monroe I sort of think is going to be more just emergency depth at center. I don't really see him being a big a big part of this. Um, so yeah I'm I'm pretty into JV. I think he get twenty four twenty six a game. And that would, that would be enough for him to flirt with top 50 in nine cats. So. Yeah. I'd like to see if they maybe start him uh, with OG and put Pascal in the second unit. and pay. I think that's kind of the way to go uh, if they're going to go yeah. situationally. So, yeah, I mean, um, definitely. If they're going to play, especially OG being a, a low-usage guy. And then if Kawhi gets hurt, I mean, it's a lot of usage to go around. Uh, so, yeah, that JV is in a pretty good spot. Um, definitely a guy. I think he could definitely be a unsexy top 50 player for sure yeah um, yep. at, at thin position so uh, count me in just not aggressively um anything you want to add on the raptors no i think that about sums it up until we see him in camp yep uh so we got the celtics pretty much set here uh there's been some discussion about jason tatum possibly coming off the bench obviously we saw tatum get hurt in the first i'm sorry uh hayward get hurt in the first game they did start him at power forward with hayward and Jalen and Kyrie and Horford, obviously. And we know, like we just said a little bit ago, Boston will go situationally. So you look at their rotation, and you got pretty much, I think, nine guys that are going to be in night in, night out. Kyrie, Rozier, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Hayward, Tatum, Marcus Morris, Horford, and Baines. Nine guys. So you would think, based on matchups, they're going to be going with the 10th man, or maybe just go straight nine, which I don't think is going to happen. They're going to probably go 10 man. Um, looking at Semi Ojale. 
Um, and then, you know, maybe Daniel Theis in certain spots to play him at the four against a bigger lineup. I don't think Robert Williams is ready. Uh, if he wakes up on time, that would probably help his case. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not a lot here. Uh, and again, I am, as one of my main themes uh, the past couple of months has been I'm not drafting Celtics um, just because they're so deep. Um, and obviously, Kyrie's injury history. Uh, Jalen Brown's inefficient from the line, doesn't really do too much stat sheet wise. Marcus Smart can't make field goals, and J- uh, Jason Tatum's going a little too high for my liking, but I'll take him if he falls, especially in ES- ESPN when he's like 101. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we talked about the Celtics a bit last week, and I don't have a ton to add because I am with you. I think there's some of those some of those top guys like Irving and, and Hayward, the the injuries just scare me off. The the depth of this lineup and the fact that Brad Stevens is so willing to play the matchups, uh, the fact that no one on their team averaged more than 32 minutes a game last year, that was Kyrie Irving. Um Jalen Brown, you mentioned, has some statistical limitations. The 65% free throw shooting hurts. Not a ton of defensive stats, even though it feels like he should, you know, have more steals and blocks to his name when you watch him play. But uh, they just don't show up on the stat sheet. Um, yeah, Tatum I like well enough, but you got to worry about what Hayward's going to do and the fact that he, it's possible he comes off the bench. Um, I mean, Marcus Morris started at power forward in the playoffs just to guard LeBron last year. Tatum, I I think I heard some offseason reports he's bulking up, you know, um, as young guys will try to do to try to play that power forward position. But he's still 20 years old. The Celtics don't want him to get, you know, they're not going to put him in a situation where he could get hurt or or uh, taken advantage of defensively. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if Tatum came off the bench, at least sometimes. Um, do you think that's a possibility, or is he too good to, to keep off the court when the when tip-off comes? Like we said last week, I kind of don't buy it. I mean, he's too good. Like, as great as he was for a guy that was supposed to be semi-ish raw, um, I, yeah. yeah, I <laughs> yeah. don't. I, I would be can't, really shocked. Can't take him off. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. It's going to be weird, because we know Brad Stevens likes to play the matchups. So, um, yeah, I, don't, I just don't know how you take those guys off the court. I mean, I guess it's on the table, and I guess he's okay with that. What's he going to say? Like, oh, yeah. Uh, don't bring me off the bench, you know. Like yeah. I just don't I think his it. minutes, yeah. I think his minutes are safe either way. I should think. For sure, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's just yeah. com- it's all Stevens is Mister Combinations. Like he loves to play. Which team has the best net rating against this type of team? This type of team, and so on, which just makes it a yep. great challenge for us in DFS, which we love. But um, one thing I'm going to add here too, I, I as I've been saying, the only player I'm targeting really is Terry Rozier, uh, and I'll add uh, last season he played 535 minutes with Kyrie Irving next last season. Uh, so that's noteworthy. They were only plus 1.2 net rating, and Rozier's per 36. Not as bad as you would think with Kyrie on the floor. 14 points, 6 boards, 3 assists, 1.5 steals, and 2.33s on 45% from the field. Um, so yeah, Rozier, I, I think, especially with, the, with his growth last year, uh, and if Marcus Smart doesn't get any better, I could see Rozier cutting into Smart's minutes. So um, yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to draft Kyrie at round 3, take Rozier at 100. Like, don't don't even think about it. I think you have to do that. Yeah, makes sense to me. Yep. All right, so that's one of the easier teams. Another fairly easy team is the Philadelphia 76ers. Couple position battles. One, um, who is the most... Uh, this is probably an easy question. Uh, who do you think is going to have the most preseason blurbs uh, um, come Octo- uh, October? Or even Pre- late September? Like, who do you think we're going to blurb every time when he plays? I think you're going Markel Fultz here. That is, yes, I, that's the heavy favorite. <laughs> so he's versus TJ McConnell. Obviously, we saw last year they wanted to play Fultz in the playoffs. He flamed out. They played McConnell. McConnell was really good. 
Uh, and then also yeah. a forward spot, we got position battle here. Picked up Wilson Chandler. They got popping corks, Furkan Korkmaz. And then a little PG Mike Muscala. Um, so that's an, uh, an issue we saw. Brett Brown said he'll play him in some spots at the four, play him at the five. Obviously, he likes his spacing, especially with Ben Simmons out there. So it's, it makes sense there. So um, first, are you drafting Marco Fultz at all? He's going around 100. Um, and then also, too, I, I mentioned this uh, with Tommy, like TJ McConnell, U of A product, possible trade candidate to the Suns. Uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> McConnell's not a guy I would draft on spec like that because even sure. if he does, even if he does go to the team like the Suns, he'd be there. You know, he's he's a good work ethic guy. Can get in the locker room and show the young guns how it's done. But I don't see him getting enough minutes really to help. Well, I'm, just, I'm just saying for me being his, uh, him being a roadblock for Fultz. Like if that oh, goes yeah. away, that would make Fultz a little bit more for sure. Relevant. It, it would. My bigger issue with Fultz, I think, is can he play alongside Ben Simmons effectively? Um, neither guy has proven shooting range. Uh, ben Simmons, I don't know, how many three-pointers did he make last year? Did he make any? Zero, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, prob- probably zero. Yeah. Um, Fultz, uh, Fultz, most of his minutes, 214 minutes without Simmons on the court last year, 45 minutes with Simmons. So clearly the coaching staff was also very leery of that. Um it, yeah, I don't know. His FanDuel points per minute without Simmons were much, almost twice as high. He had 1.1 FanDuel points per minute playing without Ben Simmons, 0.6 when they were together on the court. Very small sample size, but still, it just gives you a sense of how ball-dominant Ben Simmons is and how much that could potentially cut into Fultz's value. Um, you throw in the inefficiency percentage-wise, which can just bury Roto owners, and I want nothing to do with it. Frankly, I have dynasty, totally different question. Keeper, different different question. But um, in terms of redraft and particularly eight cat, nine cat, I don't want them. Yeah, just to dig a little deeper in that, um, the assists are what's big. So without Ben, uh, per thirty six over a two hundred two minute sample, he had nine assists uh, per thirty six. With Ben, two point eight. Uh, yeah, so talking about a third, uh, that's where the, the value comes from. His scoring is actually slightly better. Yeah, um, with yeah, Ben, yeah, which makes sense because Ben really facilitates the offense. So, I mean, I'm down. Um, right when he's going, I'm taking Sexton and Sed. They tend to go in the same area. I think Sexton has a much higher floor and a higher ceiling. I mean, Philadelphia, unless Ben goes down, then I, I mean, you're gonna, you're pretty much considering Fultz a stash. Um, but they're, again, they're gonna play him in several spots. He has length. Obviously, Ben doesn't need to guard once. He's not going to in some situations. So. He has avenues for minutes, but again, it's not like this team's got depth. Um, you know, if, if he was on like the Suns or something like that, I would take him maybe 50 60. But yeah. it's just tough. I mean, JJ Reddick's really good. Robert Covington's been awesome. Dario was better than all of us thought, and I love Dario. He just blew me away last year with his growth mm-hmm. overall. Uh, obviously, Embiid. Um, with the super high usage rate, it's just the, the opportunity doesn't match up. Even if um, Drew Hanlon does pull the miracle and, and fix his shot, so yeah. Let me it, let me give you a a little hypothetical. You're you're right around the 100 range, maybe. You need a point guard, and your options out there include Marco Fultz, Trey Young, and De'Aaron Fox. How do you how are you going to rank those guys? Depends on the situation. Uh, in a vacuum, yeah. Okay. I, would, I mean, if I'm punting field goal percentage, I would take Trey Young in a heartbeat. Okay. Um, I've been drafting a little bit of Fox, man. Uh, I yeah, think Fox I'm with is going to be better, so I, I would I'm take Fox you. over Fultz, and then I would pro- I would probably put Fultz last. Yeah. Uh, again, I, if I, I if, I, I, value, if I value if I value field goal percentage, obviously I would probably flip that. But 
Yeah, just I don't see it. Um, we'll talk about the Hawks in a little bit, but yeah, I just uh, I get it. I mean, I would love to be right about. I mean, I would love to be one of the guys who drafts Fulton is right about it, but um, yeah, it's just a lot in his way. Yep. So what about this uh, power forward situation? Um, uh, shout out Tom Moore, who's covered the Sixers for a long time. He does more of a, a city beat now. But he had said, um, besides Fultz, he expects Furkan Korkmaz to be the most improved player on the 76ers. That struck me. Obviously, he had the big 40-point game in Summer League, but he kind of flamed out after that big debut. Wilson Chandler, versatile player. They're going to use him in the switchable stuff they like to use on the perimeter, so he fits in the system. Kind of Roko light. Uh, he was, he, maybe he was Roko before Roko became Roko. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know if that's confusing or not, but obviously Zaire Smith's down. He won't be an impact player. Again, I mentioned Mike Muscala for spacing. Do you want any piece of this, even like super deep? No, uh, <laughs> I don't have – I mean, that's interesting what you said about Tom Moore, and I, he knows the team better than I do, that's for yeah. sure. But uh, I'm not expecting much from, from Korkmaz this year. Um, not sure he'll be in the rotation beyond garbage time. Maybe he will. Um Wilson Chandler, I don't see it. I think he needs too many minutes to to make a fantasy impact. Steals and blocks used to kind of be his bread and butter. He could be a defensive guy, you know, solid rebounds and scoring. But they dropped off last year, 32 minutes a game almost. He averaged 0.6 steals, 0.5 blocks. That's not going to cut it. Um, Muscala, I think, can play some center. So it's possible he bumps Amir Johnson flat out of the rotation some nights. Maybe not. Um, but no, I don't want anything to do with Muscala, Johnson, Korkmaz, Chandler. Uh, you can keep them all. All right, so moving on to another team with some changes here. That is the formerly known as New Jersey Nets. They are obviously in Brooklyn now. A couple changes. Uh, they were the experts of bringing on bad money to pick up some draft picks, as they're going to have draft picks this year. They have said they do not want to tank. Um, and we saw a couple couple questions arise there. We saw D'Angelo move to the bench at times when when he was playing poorly, and he's having a great offseason, one of the main topics. Uh, looks ripped. Um, working out with all sorts of NBA players. It's a pretty good offseason for him. So I'll kick it to you to start. Um, on Obviously, Jared Allen, they added Ed Davis. Anything that kind of catches your eye in this rotation? Um, hmm. It's a good question. Uh, D'Angelo, I'm... Um... I'm still into. He was a huge letdown last year. You know, definite concerns about inefficiency, especially given the high volume. But I think he's going to get another ticket to ride and prove that he can be a franchise point guard. So just the sheer upside alone is worth probably a gamble around the 50-60 mark. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, and and I'm not into it all. I I think you're with me. I don't really trust what he did last year. Cooled off toward the end of the year, and the Nets brought in Shabazz Napier. That wasn't an accident. Um, Not so into Karis LeVert. Poor percentages. Just hasn't really come around the curve fantasy-wise to excite me about him. Damari Carroll, veteran on a a young team that's probably not going to be great. Joe Harris, challenging him for minutes another guy i'm not into uh rhj just can't stay healthy man i'm down on the nets apparently other than d'angelo russell and, and jared ellen obviously yeah um russell's numbers splits wise with pretty much everyone are not good um with crap going on two-man lineups him carol ronde joe harris dinwiddie ac they're pretty, basically their whole rotation was minus there's one player who i didn't name that was positive 
Jared Allen. Uh, he had a plus, no, a plus net rating with him. Of course. So. Of course. Of course, Jared Allen. Um, we don't need to talk about him anymore. Uh, Jared Allen owns this podcast. Um, hopefully, he can. I'd love to have him on here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, I'm still going to draft D'Angelo. The problem is he doesn't fall. Um, someone's always willing to jump up and grab him. But, true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that I think that the Nets want to try to get something for Dinwiddie. He wants a big contract. He tweeted about that. He said he'll, he said he would pay someone a hundred k when he gets like a big contract or something. I forget who it was, but um, someone famous. But I mean, they added a couple rookies, um, uh, Musa and uh, what's Kurek. Uh, uh, Sorry, I don't know their names well enough yet. Um, I'm interested to see how that fits. I think Damari's going to play a little bit of four. Not really sure how Jared Dudley fits. Obviously, they like his leadership. He, did, he really embraced that role with the Suns last year. Uh, and then we saw Dudley also say that the cornerstones, quote-unquote, are Russell and Allen. So, um, I'm yeah. in on Crab, man. Crab led the Nets in scoring in the final 24 games. Uh, another one of the second-half stud guys, as I keep talking this article up, um, had a big 30-something point game, just made so many threes. Got, you know, knocked down mid-ranges. Um, I think Crab really had his first, took him a little bit to understand how to score uh, with decent volume. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he's going to fall. Um, he had three threes um, per game in the second half. Yeah. So a guy that if you miss out on threes, uh, I think he's a guy that I will take there. And I think, again, being they're willing to go three guard. They'll play him at the three. Um, so, yeah, Crab and D'Angelo and obviously Jared Allen's a no-brainer uh, for guys that I'm targeting. Yep, I was actually going to circle back to Crab because I, I missed him. And one of those guys, as I've said repeatedly on this pod, I'm not huge into guys whose value is staked almost entirely to three-pointers. Um, but Crab is always there in the final rounds, so why not take him? I mean, he's not going to hurt you anywhere. He uh, he can score the ball. Scoring's not easy to find in the late rounds. So if he's going to give you, you know, 14 to 16 points a game two to three three-pointers a game and, you know, decent percentages and uh, some supporting stats, I'll take that. Yep. Um, post breaks, 16.8 points, 4.3 boards, 1.8 dimes, 0.8 steals, 0.7 blocks, and 3.5 triples on pretty good shooting. All right. Good on Nets? Yep. I don't know what to do with their rookies, Musa and Kirk. Kurucks, as you said, I can't I can't yeah. pronounce their names yet either, so I don't know what their fantasy value looks like. Yeah, we'll see. Not too much minutes up for grab anyways. Um, this team's got some decent right. depth. And yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, Joe Harris, I, I really can't get into. Um, again, he's yep. solid, but um, not a guy that's going to... He's going to have to make a high, high volume uh, of his three-pointers. Hit 40% last year, so props for him for hitting that goal. A tough goal to achieve. Yep. All right, moving on here. This team is a mess. Um, there's position battles all over the place. We know that David Fisdale said he does not want to start Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee next to other, each other. That opens up a big French double French door spot, even though he's not French, <laughs> for Mario Hazonia. Uh, some Croatian action. Uh, obviously, Had Chris- to save, save that one for Frank. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's... Man, I screwed up. <laughs> but, uh, next time. Oh, I'm ashamed of myself. Anyways, um... Yeah, so we got Kevin Knox. Uh, obviously, wants to play next to Chris Stapps, he said. We love our boy Mitch Robb. Obviously, the Cantor possible expiring deal, although Cantor wants to play with Kevin Durant next year. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Moutier, Trey Burke, Need Lakina. We really don't know what's going on. Um, before I hand it to you, I will say the only place, person that I'm targeting aggressively here, besides Robinson, um, I'm in on Mario. What about you? I'm in on Mario, too. I was going to say the same thing. I'm I'm actually kind of psyched about him. Uh 
showed up last year with with some sneaky value after the break when he when he when he got a bigger role he really stepped into it and made the most of those minutes that's what you like to see so i think he's gonna be handed the the starting small forward job it it looks like um fizdale made very clear that he wants more size on the wings so you're pretty much definitely gonna see hardaway jr and hazonia sharing the court i think um I like him. I mean, the backup small forward right now is Lance Thomas. Uh, so I don't really see a huge threat there. I think he's going to have have a lot. I'm also pretty into Kevin Knox. He's one of those guys with Marvin Bagley, a, a rookie who hasn't gotten a lot of hype. But I'm I'm kind of high on. So I've, I've had a lot of Knox and a lot of Bagley on my teams. Um, and Fizdale's doing his part. He's hyping up Knox, saying that he wants him to be aggressive, that he's already drawn up plays for Knox and Porzingis to be both involved in the action once KP's healthy. And that's another reason I like Knox, because we don't know when Porzingis will be back. Uh, coming off you know major lower body surgery, the Knicks aren't going to be playing for the playoffs this year, so they have every reason to get him healthy. Um and I think, what'd you say, Tommy Beer, who who's, you know, Nick's writer, knows the team. I think he put Porzingis over under games played at like 30 or yeah, something. Yeah, 30. So just another reason why I, I like Knox. And I'm also in on uh, Mitch Robinson. Yep. Um, I'll add post-break Mario Hazonia, number 56 in 9-cat. Um, yep. I think that's certainly doable on a team that has fewer options than the magic did uh so yeah he's he's in a fantastic spot um arguably one of the best spots for any free agent player to land fantasy wise so yeah um 9500 i'm pouncing um i haven't been i haven't i probably got him on maybe 30 percent of my teams but um yeah maybe it's gonna be higher now that some other guys kind of adjust the adp so definitely aggressive there mitch rob obviously um they have i mean noah's a dead duck Cornet, um, who was fun for a week, uh, he's not hasn't done much. Um, yeah, so it, he should be there. Um, I'm interested in Hardaway a little bit, just because there's so much possibilities for him to produce um, yeah. and the lack of the team. But again, I haven't really drafted him, uh, and I'm not. I can't see what they're going to do at point guard. I, I need, like I said, I've been saying reading between the lines on Fizdale, he doesn't get excited talking about Neil Kina. So I'm not really thrilled there. Uh, Moody had uh, opportunity on the silver platter. Didn't really come through there. And obviously Trey Burke, you and I will never buy what he did last year. Uh, yeah. Even though he was he, week, week after week we were saying he's going to fall off, he's going to fall off, and he was pretty solid. But yeah, I'm, I'm, that's pretty much it for this one. Yep, I'm with you. Okay, cool. So switching over to the other side, the Mississippi. Uh, as we talk about the Blazers, they've got some stuff going on here. They had one of the more surprising non-resigns when they did not bring Ed Davis back on a pretty cheap deal. That, reading between the lines, was like, hey, we want Zach Collins to really step up and play more center. According to what I had pulled, he only played about 33 minutes as the lone big man. I am not counting Elf Rucamino in those minutes. I'm counting him, you know, even though he's a power forward, I'm not counting him as the other guys who could play center. Um, other notes on this one, uh, he was... Pretty bad uh, next to Nurkic. They had a minus 26.6 net rating over 53 minutes. Most of his minutes came with Davis, and they were pretty good. They were plus 64 net rating over 787 minutes. Uh, Him and Leonard were bad in 80 minutes, minus 13 net rating. Him and Vonley were good, plus 13. Vonley is not there anymore. Then him and Biggie were bad. So, uh, I am... Full, I'm big on Collins. Uh, I like guys who can block. I like guys who can shoot the three. We saw him block a lot of challenging shots, a lot of trailing pick and roll plays. I saw at summer league that I didn't really see too much in the first year. So all the signs are there. Again, the opportunity is huge for him here. 
So we'll see if he can kind of grow. Uh, a guy that I am definitely taking in the last round of a competitive 12-team league. I think the minutes are going to be there again. Um, we'll talk about some other. And again, um, both Stotts and O'Shea said we need to shoot more threes. So that's another kind of point Collins to produce better. So it's really, I mean, across the board for a possible breakout. Granted, talent isn't quite where we want it to be. But as far as just opportunity goes, he checks every box. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I wish I saw more blocks out of him. Um I mean, after the break last year, 17 minutes a game, only half a block. So that's tough. I, I would love to see at least a block a game. But you're right. The, the three-point shooting is only going to improve. And almost half of his shots were three-pointers uh, after the break last year. Uh, well over a third of them pre, pre-break. So clearly the, the Blazers are encouraging him to just bomb away. Uh, free throw shooting was all over the place last year from month to month. So, But, you know, the fact that he did shoot uh 90% in March and 73% in February makes me kind of discount the 43% he shot from the line in December. So hopefully the truth lies somewhere closer to 75%. I don't think he's going to tank you in free throw percentage. Um so yeah, he's he's a sneaky guy, sort of a flyer pick. I don't think I've even seen him drafted so far uh in 12 even the 14 team mocks I did. I don't think he's gone, but I'd certainly take him at the end of a 14 team. Yeah, uh, last. I mean, usually if you're if I'm out of bigs, we have to be when I'm drafting with like you and the whole crew. That's probably when you're gonna have to take him. But I mean, yeah, most 12 people, 12 teams aren't gonna have to take him. Um, there'll be other guys to take, um, which we'll probably be talking about in this edition. Yeah. Um, going to the wings, uh, Stotts also said he expected to see Evan Turner handle the ball a lot and put a lot of shooters around him. Um, so that raises the you can kind of see what they did in the off season when they added. Sauce Castillo, a.k.a. Nick Stauskas, obviously Seth Curry, and then they signed, excuse me, drafted Gary Trent Jr., who they said expect to, they expect to contribute right away. They still have Jake Lehman, uh, much love to the usage rate monster at times. But anybody here you think is worthwhile? I know Steve had put Seth Curry a little bit higher than the rest of us as far as his late guards. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want? I mean, I was big on Curry a couple years ago, but obviously last year was the lost cause. But anybody here you can see stepping up in this situation? Uh, I'd take a chunk of Curry in some leagues just as a late-round guy. I mean, if he could stay healthy, I could see him playing well. Um, strong fantasy performance. He was, what, top 75 at least two years ago and then missed the entire last season with that left uh, – I think it was a left tibia injury. Uh, Evan Turner, I, I don't like what the Blazers did this offseason. I feel like they're, they got in guys that they can build the second unit out around Evan Turner basically just because he's a pretty good player with an immovable contract. I mean, he's owed, he's owed almost $37 million over the next two years, fully guaranteed. So they know he's part of their team. They know that he, he's not going to spread the court. He's not particularly good with the ball out of his hands. So they put in guys like Curry and, and Stauskas who can, you know, just shooters around him. Uh, I, I like it well enough for McCollum and Lillard. I think when they do share the court with him, playing off ball won't hurt them. Um, help their efficiency offensively, things like that. But yeah, the the six or Blazers rather, the only player I think we haven't really discussed who I who I kind of like still is Mo Harkless. Mm. Uh, just those defensive stats, you know, he can hit some threes. He's sneaky enough as a roto value. Disappointing year last year. Couldn't stay healthy. Minutes, you know, fluctuated. He ended up averaging just twenty one a game. So. I'm thinking that'll come up. I could see him playing significant backup power forward minutes, uh, starting at small forward. So I'm I'm sort of hoping for a little bit of a bounce back from Mo Harkless. He's he's still only 25 years old. So 
I'll add one thing. I was going to talk about Harkless. He was hot, man, before he went down. Last six, 15 points, four boards, 1.8 dimes, 0.8 steals, 2.2 trays on phenomenal efficiency. Yeah. So he was giving us a little taste uh, <laughs> that he could be good. Uh, so I'm in on him. I wrote him pretty much in every nice. chance I could for deep sleepers, uh, abusing the default rankings. He's at 272 on ESPN, so scroll down and grab him. Sheesh. On your last yeah. round, um, but yeah, I think I was gonna say Harkless is what I gonna, what I was gonna end on. Um, we missed him last year. You and I both liked him, and again, more threes. I think he has the potential to make more threes. He's kind of come around as a perimeter guy. He was strictly, I think, at one point, like in his Magic days, he had like seventy percent of his shots at the rim, and he was routinely the most blocked player, non bigs blocked at the <laughs> rim. Um, right. So I always, I always loved looking up stats on him. But yeah, um, so we, we, you and I both like him as a late round flyer. And again, whiffing on your free agency usually means that their veterans are in better spots here. Yep. Uh, anything else you want to add from this? And again, too, like, I mean, I love Dame, man. Uh, I'll, I'll take Dame any day of the week, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think second second best fantasy point guard. And if you're too worried about, about uh, Steph not playing, not playing You and I disagree healthy. on that. I, I don't know how you don't take Dame. I don't, you, you, I'm the lone man on Dame number one. Well, every, everyone's got Steph first, right? Yeah, I'm stunned by that, man. Back-to-back it's, seasons, Dame has been number six post-break. Uh, the guy doesn't miss games. He's missed played. Yeah. Yeah, it's just insane. He's averaged, what, 77 games in his career? Um, yeah, well, I, I think you would agree that Steph per game will be higher. Oh, well, I agree. I'm not, I won't, I won't yeah, so, so I think in Roto, I'd probably take Steph and just hope that he plays 70 games. Yeah. Uh, head-to-head, you're right. Lillard's durability, you know, you, you can't afford... Steph sitting out three weeks because he tweaked uh, tweaked his knee and the Warriors are just being safe. You really can't. I mean, that, those are the the sorts of tiny things that can derail your season. So you're right. I think in head-to-head, I, I give Lillard the edge. Okay, cool. Um, Dame's just post-break to throw this out there. Um, he was 30 point, so post-break, point, 38.8 usage, 30. usage rate, 37 minutes, Sheesh. 29 points, 6.6 dimes, 4.3 boards, 1.3 steals, and 3.3 trays. He wasn't even making a lot of shots, man. Uh, so I tweeted this out. If there's an when the odds come out for scoring, give me Dame. It'll be Dame like plus four hundred. I'll take that. I think Dame's gonna have a decent shot for the lead league in scoring. Nice. So I like yeah, that. I love him. In, I love him in DFS too. Um, especially with more threes, like he can more kickouts. Like, I love him. Anyways, uh, enough about Dame. Moving on. We're we're good here. Uh, a team with very minimal to talk about for rotation. That's the Thunder. They're pretty much set. I'll kick it to you first. Uh, obviously, they lost. Uh, a guy we've been talking up a lot is Jeremy Grant. Um, so I'll leave you, leave you with that. Uh, yeah, everyone. I think I might be the low guy on the Roto World staff <laughs> on Jer- Jeremy Grant. I I just don't love him uh, for fantasy anyway. I think he's he, you know there's a reason they wanted to keep him around in reality. He's a he's a good good fit, low usage guy, so they can defer to Westbrook and Paul George. But the free throw percentage hurts. Uh, just doesn't give you a lot of supporting stats. Three pointers kind of sketchy. So even if his minutes go up to 30 per game, based on last year's numbers, that would be like just assuming extrapolating from his averages, it would be 12 points, six boards, uh, 1.1 assists. 0.6 steals, one and a half blocks, good field goal percentage, bad free throws. I, you know, just not enough there to really get me excited and recommend him everywhere. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy. Uh, Steven Adams, I think is going to be good. Noel doesn't bother me at all. 
Um, Dennis Schroeder, I want nothing to do with. And there's really not a lot to say about the Thunder. You're, you were right. Yeah. I think they're going to play Schroeder a lot at the two. Um, so if you're thinking about taking, like, oh, I'll take Robertson and kind of get some late defense and occasional threes with bad percentages, yeah. I think that's off the table. Um, I mean, that slightly hurts uh, Grant. Uh, I thought that, uh, you know, adding Schroeder was a minor hit because if they're going to go small and they want to play Robertson against a strong perimeter player, they'll go Westbrook, Schroeder, Robertson, Paul with the four, and Adams. So that's a slight hit. So that costs, again, that costs them probably about two rounds um, when they brought him in there because they're, they're going to play him at times. Um, and I've, I've tweeted this out multiple times. Westbrook next to another point guard has been pretty good. Uh, we saw him with Reggie Jackson. He was good in those situations. Obviously, with Felton, his numbers were actually pretty good. So, it's um, all not great. All right, we're behind schedule, so let's move on to um, the Jazz. I mean, there's not a lot to talk about here. You'll get their rotation, and there's really only one spot that comes to mind. Uh, you got just the guys that are going to be in there. And I guess you could talk about Exum versus Hull Neto. Uh, and then also you got Grayson Allen versus Alec Burks. But you're talking about ninth or 10th man in the rotation. Uh, I think Royce O'Neal's locked and loaded. Just a revelation last year. Um, Crowder yeah. will back up, play the four. Favors will slide some five. Probably won't see as much Udo, especially if they're healthy. But, yeah, really not a lot going on here. And I did look up only one lineup. And this they made their hay late in the season. Um, up until I want to say up until – I may have to pull this, but – um, they only had one lineup at 200 minutes last year, and that was their starters that crushed uh, with Loudon Stretch last year. Hmm. So, Yeah, not a lot. I mean, Utah's pretty set. They didn't make many big changes this offseason that's going to rock the boat. Uh, I will say Rubio was awesome after the break last year. I think he's going to be a guy a lot of owners sleep on. I hope I'm not one of them. Uh, I mean, I could see him easily being a top 50 guy, so... If he's routinely falling to 60, 70, sometimes 80 because people just see his weaknesses and he's been banged up at times during his career. But uh, I'll take the plunge on him every time. No thanks on Exum, Burks, Grayson Allen. None of those guys do it for me. Um, Royce O'Neal, yeah, I, I agree. I think big part of the rotation. There was that report about him improving his ball handling and whatnot. Don't see it for fantasy. Um so yeah, pretty much just the starters for me in Utah. I don't. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not touching the bench. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, and then also Jonas has talked up Exum at times. And like we said, when Rubio got hurt, they started O'Neal. I think that's the move again. Um, so I just don't see the opportunity there. And uh, yeah, Exum's not gonna. You know, as you said, if they're starting Royce O'Neal, I think they'd rather plug in Raul Neto as just a competent playmaker. I don't see Exum leading the offense anytime soon. And just to add to your Rubio point, uh, post-break, 15 points, 6 dimes, 1.7 steals, 5.3 boards, 88% from the line at 4 attempts per game, and respectable 46% from the field with 1.6 trays. So, yeah, he was just terrific, and that's his thing. Uh, he likes to finish strong and start horribly. <laughs> uh, um, moving on. Another team with a lot open here. Uh, that's the Wolves. They did not sign Nemanja Bielitsa. Uh, it sounds like Jamal Crawford's going to be gone. Um, so that leaves a lot of wing minutes here. Um, Crawford and Tyus Jones played together for 1,012 minutes. Teague played with Crawford for almost 500 minutes and just 21 minutes of Teague and Jones together. Plus 16.9 net rating. Go. Um, so, again, still you got the Derrick Rose and Tyus Jones. I, I, I love Tyus Jones. I want him to get traded. I want him to go somewhere good. Him with the other starters being Butler, Wiggins, Taj, and Cat. They had a plus 23.5 net rating. That is one of the best lineups among units with 250 minutes. 
Uh, so I, I love that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm down to take Tyus Jones, man. Last round flyer. See if he, he gets traded. Um, and obviously, if Teague ever goes down, your run don't walk to add Tyus, even with Derek Jones in the uh, Derek Jones uh, airplane mode. Uh, Derek Rose in the mix. Yeah, and Tyus Jones. I mean, there was drama last year because apparently through his agent, he requested a trade this offseason if they retained Derek Rose because um, he wanted a bigger role, and frankly, he'd earned it. So. Uh, you you weren't alone in, in wanting him to be traded, especially when, when the Wolves went ahead and brought back D-Rose. Now, Tibbs has tried to play that down by saying that he likes, you know, he likes playing three-guard lineups that sometimes he'll play Jimmy Butler a power forward, which we did actually see in the postseason. After seeing none of it throughout the regular season, uh, you know, tw- tw- roughly 20% of Jimmy's minutes came at power forward in the playoffs. Uh, so that does open up uh, backcourt minutes a bit, and... Obviously, I'm not going to draft Derrick Rose. Hopefully, the path is open for Jones. How many minutes do you think he'd, he'd need to hit fantasy? I mean, I'm thinking 24 would be sufficient yeah. for, for late-round value. Yeah, you got high-usage players around there. His steal rate's not that amazing. Obviously, his assist yeah. rate's not going to be very good with how often Jimmy handles the ball. So, yeah, it's, he'd need a lot of minutes. What about um, just – I know we got to move on, but uh, in terms of the Wolves' front court, anything on – I know Gorgie Jang's coming off a brutal year. Taj Gibson was a sneaky, sneaky fantasy player. He stayed healthy, played a lot of minutes, uh, lots of double-doubles early in the year. Uh, any interest in him as just a late-round sort of boring roto guy? I'm not going to take him just because he's too boring for me. But, yeah, like you said, he was a steal. People took him in the last couple rounds, and he produced. Uh, he's pretty much a strong starter. One thing I want to add before we close the book on Tyus, I have him on uh, Twitter notifications in hopes that he does something wild and tweets out of frustration, but hasn't happened yet. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I hear about like trade rumors, I put that player on uh, tweet notifications. (laughs) So it's kind of weird. Um, That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he he didn't losing B. Leach is big, man. Uh, I think Taj had gained value again. They've got some depth issues. You look at this rotation, they're short. Uh, I mean, they're going to run. Like, you look at the rotation locks. You got Teague as a lock, whatever backup point guard they roll as a lock. Jimmy, uh, Wiggins, Taj, Cat, and Jang. That's only seven guys. So even if you go with an eight-man Tibbs lineup, like, you're looking for probably an eighth. And you're looking at... I'm looking at Kata Bates' drop. Uh, I, I put him in there as my deep sleeper. I was really impressed with him in Summer League. I think he could be a, a potential multiple cat guy. Um, again, this team's so, so thin. Taj is old. Tolliver can't play minutes. I think we saw Jop. He showed he could play power forward at college. I think he could do it in certain spots here with Minnesota. Um, I'm pretty sure Tibbs does not like the Jang-Cat lineup in most situations anymore. He did like it a couple years ago, but he really cut down on that last year. So, yeah, super deep sleeper. Uh, I want to see what Kata Bates-Jops does this preseason. Yeah, well, you mentioned the seven men locked in. Tibbs is probably only going eight deep. So it's going to be a bit of a position battle. The Wolves definitely a team to watch during training camp. Uh, I'm thinking it's either Jop or Josh Okogie who are going to come away with with some of the, a lot of those wing minutes. Yeah, um, I th- I thought Bates Jop, given his big experience as a Big Ten Player of the Year, and yeah. I thought he was a little bit more NBA ready. Uh, man, down the stretch, his last like two or three games, yeah, I thought he was one of the be- one of the best, I mean, top ten players um, in like the last four or five games of summer league. That was great. Well, there you go. Another another battle to watch. Yeah, for sure. All right, so uh, ending with Denver, perhaps the most locked and loaded rotation in the league. Um, the only really thing up for grabs is going off what Chris Dempsey had reported. 
Uh, he had said that Tory Craig is ahead of Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez. Uh, besides that, I mean, we know the deal. We know that it's going to be Jamal Murray, Garrett Harris, Will Barton, who continues to slide in drafts, who all of us love. Uh, mm-hmm. Millsap, Jokic, sneaking some pummely back up. Trey Lyles is going to score a lot. Uh, Dempsey had made a bold prediction that he's going to be the fourth leading scorer in the Nuggets. Um, so keep that in mind. I trust him a lot. Uh, and obviously Isaiah off the bench. So, yeah, you're pretty much capped out. Uh, obviously, we know Michael Porter Jr. has um, training wheels on this season. So as far as deep picks go, I'm in on Lyles, I guess. And another bonus about Lyles is if any, if anybody gets hurt, anybody, uh, he gets a big boost in value because they would move Isaiah up. If it's Jamal or Harris, he was play more minutes there. Um, and then they could just play, you know, whatever. I mean, but yeah, it'll be a, a he'll be a multiple avenues to gain value. And he was pretty good last year. Yeah, total lack of supporting stats make me a little bit leery. Uh, doesn't really get many blocks, steals, assists, this and that. But you're right, high usage, can hit threes, going to score a ton. Um, he's a sneaky guy. You don't really hear a lot about him. He's he's rarely taken as a flyer pick. But, I mean, he projects as their what's – I mean, if you're calling Isaiah Thomas their seventh man, basically he's a staple of the rotation. He's, mm-hmm. he's probably going to get – 20 minutes even if Millsap's healthy uh, and we should say that's part of the reason Lyles took off last season and it was because Millsap was hurt when Millsap was healthy he wasn't really worth owning so something to keep in mind I'm not super high on him while the Nuggets are at full strength um, but yeah definitely a guy, a guy I'd be running to the waiver wire to get as you mentioned if if any of these uh, starters big minute guys go down you got to think Lyles is going to step up in some so you way. don't th- Wilson Chandler I mean you're talking about 32 minutes a game um, out of the mix there so I think that's also part of the reason why I like him a little bit yeah it is part of there I, I guess Will Barton's minutes are going to increase take up some of that slack yeah. obviously Millsap healthy you're right yeah and I expect Lyles I think last year he was around I want to say 18 minutes a game he'll probably be closer to 22 but I don't see much higher than that maybe I'm too low on him I don't know yeah Quick, I mean, we obviously love. I lo- I'm drafting every every Nuggets starting five. I'm in on. Oh yeah, pretty hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have the draft guides up right now, by the way, um, and we have him slotted at number fifty three um, for nine cat. I feel like that may even be too low. Will Barton? Yeah, yeah, he's terrific, and you're right. He's he's going too low in in mocks. I mean, I, I keep getting him. Around sixty, and that's that's a steal. This is a guy who, what was he last year? Sixty, coming off the bench, he well, was almost almost top fifty. Post break, number twenty one. Uh, his final yeah. twenty four games: eighteen points, six boards, four dimes, point eight steals, point eight blocks, two point one trays, forty seven percent from the field, eighty six percent from the line. Uh, he's age twenty seven in his prime. He has finally learned how to play a key role. We know Malone loves to close with him, so. Yeah, give me Will Barton all day long, man. Like I'm, I'm tar- I, I usually am not in on thrill. I usually get him when he falls, but I'm going up and grabbing him this year. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm all in. The, the Nuggets retained him for a reason. He's got a starting job handed to him. Uh, I, I love it. And then I guess the final guy we should mention for Denver is Isaiah Thomas. Um, I know, I know you like him. I do. Uh, you, you think he shouldn't be falling to a hundred? I take him pretty much every time at around 100 if I need to if I need a point guard. Uh, yeah. Again, this guy, MVP candidate. I mean, obviously, you're going to get him for pennies on the dollar this season. Um, just phenomenal at the line. High, high usage late. We saw him. He was the king of the fourth. Uh, we know the moment, which scares me. That scares me about Jamal Murray just a bit. 
Um, but given Jamal's durability and how he's so young and how he really progressed last year, even above my expectations, um, which were so high. But, I mean, look back at his last year when he was healthy. And how could he not like the guy? I mean, Isaiah is still, he's 29. Uh, and speaking of 29, he had 29 points per game um, in his MVP caliber season. Six dimes and just 34 minutes. So, I mean, cut those numbers in half. Cut him in yeah. a third, and you're still getting a player that's like top 50. Yeah, and we, and we mentioned Barton now starting. I mean, he was he was the the head of the snake for that second unit last year. Now that's it. So he's going to have the ball a lot when he's in there with the second unit. Um, obviously, injury and his total inefficiency last year had people off him, but he finally had surgery to correct the hip. Should be coming into camp completely healthy. So great great chance to rebuild his value. He's on a one year deal. He's he's out to out to prove that he's you know still worth that Brink trucks that that he wanted to back up to his house. I think just to end one good point I want to end on. I think there are probably two teams that I will aggressively draft all of their starters. One's Denver. Can you guess the yeah. other one? One of the players uh, is the top. One of the players is the top five pick. Easily top five pick. Uh, top of my head, I don't. I don't know. I'm coming up blank. Bucks. The Bucks. Okay. I'm, dra- I'm in on Bledsoe, Brogdon, Middleton, Giannis, and Brook. I'm in on all those guys. Obviously, not all so right. Much Bro- Brogdon, Brogdon would, would be the lone exception. For sure. La- I'm talking last round flyer, but aggr- yeah, super, okay. super, Get- super aggressive on Bledsoe. Super aggressive gotcha. on. Chris and obviously Giannis is top five, and then Brooks. Brooks gonna be good, man. Another yeah. uh, my second half sleeper column. He he cracked that thing. He was pretty good second half last year. Second half studs, excuse me. He was number twenty eight. Nice. So there you go. Yep, draft your bucks. All right. Uh, so good pod. Um, longer than we thought. Well, obviously talking rotations. You and I love to do that. So we'll try to cut it down next time. Experiment. Um, feedback appreciated this is kind of a new frontier going straight position battles this early in the season we will talk about this a lot uh, it's one of my favorite subjects and it's sure cheers too anything you want to yeah. add before we get out of here no I'll be look forward to it next week sounds great man all right you guys take care enjoy football and we'll catch you next time thanks for coming on man you got it